I think the biggest thing that I have learned from Fairphone has more to do with the global issue. This is clearly not a Fairphone issue. This is a global rare earth issue. This is Trisana Talks, and I'm your host, Shreya Nandi. Our intention is to bring you perspectives, some our own, some from our group of even smarter friends and confidants to help inform your opinions on how data as the nuclei of digital and tech will reshape the world we live, breathe, and play in. This episode of Trisada Talks reflects the opinions of only the authors who are associated persons of Trisada and do not reflect the views of Trisada Inc. In this episode, we have two of our summer 2021 interns, Cole McCorkle and guest host Jaden Hausler, talking about not only Cole's global internship experience, but also ESG, red herrings, and a company named Fairphone. You can find the transcript for this episode on Trisada.com. That's T-R-E-S-A-T-A dot C-O-M. And... Let's keep listening. Hey, everyone. This is Jaden Hausler. I've been a part of the 2021 Global Internship at Trisada. I would love to introduce Cole. So tell us a little bit about yourself. My name is Cole McCorkle. I am a computer science student at Elon University in North Carolina. Um, and I've had the privilege of being a part of Trisada summer internship for these past eight weeks. Let's take it back to the beginning. You read, find red herrings in a company's ESG claims. How many of those words really registered and made sense to you? I had a vague uh, understanding that red herrings were something to distract you, but I had to Google ESG. I had literally no idea what that meant. Turns out that means environmental and social and governance. So that's the whole idea of like of taking a company and you rate that company based on you know, how do they affect the environment, what are the social and working conditions like for their workers and employees and such? And then how is the uh, company governed? I, I, like I said, I had a vague understanding of red herring. And then I did a, a, kind of accidentally a lot of research on it. And it turns out in England in the 1800s, they uh, hunted foxes. And the way they would do that is they would train dogs like bloodhounds to smell foxes and go after them. And the way they would see if they had a smart dog was they would take this smelly, like, brined fish, and that the brining process turned it red. They're not red-born. A red herring's not a type of fish. It's something you make with a fish. Anyways, they would try to distract the dog with the fish, and, you know, you had a really smart dog if, if the dog could ignore the red herring and go find the fox. That kind of sounds like just a fun story, but really it exposes the fact that this question is twofold. Arguably, the more important thing is, yes, can we identify and locate the red herring? But more importantly, can we find the fox? To go off of that, so so what company did you choose that you were going to find the fox on? We were first given an industry, as you know, um, to then choose a company. And my first industry was the automotive industry. And I was, I was hoping there would be a good amount of data out there. That was absolutely not the case. We pivoted from automotive, moved on over to like telecommunication and uh, the smartphone industry. Um, and I landed on a company called Fairphone uh, for two main reasons. The first one is their whole idea is, is making sustainably sourced and sustainably produced phones. So I knew they were going to be chock full of, of ESG assertions. And then also... 
one can assume that the company called Fairphone that's dedicated to sustainable smartphones probably going to be the highest performing in terms of ESG. So if we can know how the best performing company is, that's a really valuable data point. Yeah, I think that's great to give some sort of validation to these companies that that have so much pride in their sustainability or their environmental protection that they have. So you mentioned that you knew there was going to be a lot of data or ESG assertions from Fairphone. So I would love to ask you about Trisheda's favorite topic, data. So tell me your journey with Fairphone and other data sets that you found. Typically, when I am trying to do a, a, a data or, or quantitative data-based project, I will start with qualitative and holistic research. That was reading all of the sustainability reports from Fairphone and just starting to get an idea, all right, what metals are actually in a smartphone, where are they coming from, which ones are more likely to have bad working conditions, et cetera, et cetera. In terms of like the main data sets I used, a really big one was Fairphone provided the list of all their suppliers. The main claim I went after was Fairphone talked about where they got their uh, neodymium, their rare earth metals. I looked at their suppliers and where all that rare earth came from. Uh, And then I looked at a global data set of rare earth suppliers in order to get a lot more contextual information about where rare earth is coming from and whether that is okay or not, uh, depending on where it's coming from. Awesome. And where did you get some of these global data sets from? I started where I always start, which was academic articles. And that was helpful until it wasn't. You know, I I used this one massive uh, power plant, global power plant data set. There was lots of different strategies that ended up working. You mentioned how you were going through lots of strategies. So tell me about some ways that you ran off a path that you had to correct yourself on and say, this isn't going well. What are some struggles that you ran into um, on your data journey? I went after one assertion they made about recycling for about a week. And I got a lot of great data from Fairphone. And it basically, when I got to the end of that, it turned out there was just no industry data to compare it against. So there was no way for me to contextualize um, Fairphone's recycling stats. Uh, you know, through that, I gained better experience with Trusada software and just starting to get a really, really good understanding of Fairphone in general. So that was kind of the big, that was the big U-turn. But there were, there were a couple other smaller ones. But now I got strong legs, so... That's great. I know personally I ran into some issues of that as well, and you'll find that um, in in the data industry that there's so much data out there. You're going to run into times where you might have to backtrack a little bit. I would love to hear a little bit about how you use Traceda software and, and what that did for you um, in your data journey. We have a piece of software called Trek, and that's what we use to initially profile and investigate data sets. So if you want to know, all right, is this column just full of null values and it's not going to be useful? Or, you know, what are, what are the most common things in, in, a, in a row or column? And I think really the main strength of, of, of Trek is not only speed at this absolute scale, but there's a lot of known first steps that are often done when you first are investigating a data set. It really accelerates just having an idea of kind of, of what is the shape of your data? What does your data look like? Um, so Trek was invaluable just for kind of assessing initially what I thought of a data set. Um, and then we have another piece of software called Tides. And Tides is our visualization software. 
Um, and due to the distributed nature of it, it's super quick and it's super easy. I was I really kind of interspersed a lot of of uh, Trusada's toolkit throughout, and it was it was invaluable. All right, so you've told us all about your company, where they started, who they are. You've told us data sets that you combed through, and now I would love to hear what is the deal with Fairphone's ESG claims. Before we even talk more about Fairphone, we got to talk about rare earth metals. They are very important in smartphones. There's no real substitute, and it really matters where you get them from. China supplies 70% of the world's rare earth metals, and 40% of that is actually illegal mining. Now let's look a little bit about why this illegal mining isn't good. I think the best way to put into context the environmental damage that this rare earth mining can cause um, is just to share a case study. So looking at Fairphone, Fairphone says, we have evaluated our neodymium, which is a rare earth metal, uh, supply chain, and agreed with our suppliers to use 100% recycled rare earth in our speakers and 90% in our vibration motor. All right, so they're using some recycled rare earth. However, as I just was able to demonstrate, what really is gonna matter is whether or not this rare earth is from China or not. After the breakdown of all that data, unfortunately, it turns out that just under half of the materials in the Fairphone, the phone that is supposed to be sustainably sourced, just under half the materials of it are include rare earth metals sourced from China. Now, Fairphone is a smaller company, right? Correct me if I'm wrong on this. Yes, yes, it's a smaller okay. company. This past year, Fairphone sold about 95000 So a lot smaller. So what do you think it means for this company, given that they're a smaller company, how important or what does it mean to them to be true in their ESG claims? Let's say you, you, you tell me to charge my phone with solar power. I could do that pretty easily. I could get a, a one solar panel and connect it to one wire and I could charge my phone and I I could get that done. Now we could compare that. What if you asked me to power the United States of America for a year with solar energy? That would be a lot harder. Uh, But if I got it done, the impacts and the change that that could cause would be so much greater because smaller companies like, you know, charging one phone, it's not as massive of a task to achieve sustainability and, uh, their ESG goals. However, the impact is so much greater with a large company. Is there anything about Fairphone that you wanted to explore, but maybe you didn't get the chance to look into it? What are In the future, what are some things you would love to look into more of Fairphone? So if I were able to get exact pricing from Rare Earth from China, that would give me a lot more information. Because one of the most perplexing things about this project was how much trouble a company called Fairphone, remarkable to me, how much they struggled. And I, I would love to do a little bit more research and try to figure out what that problem is. I think the biggest thing that I have learned from Fairphone has more to do with the global issue. It's like, this is clearly not a Fairphone issue. This is a global rare earth issue. So now I'd like, I'd like to take a step back and outside of data, outside of um, technical things. What were important parts of this internship? My journey with Truseda actually really started about two years ago. 
Uh, I was in like my first database systems class and Pat showed up and he talked he talked about some company called Truseda and some cool data science they did. Um, and that was that's kind of how I ended up applying and, and showing up. And, you know, you said things that are outside technical. And the first thing that popped into my head was I came for the data. I stayed for the games. Truseda did a, a really excellent job dealing with the pandemic in the in the social ways. So. I have never been to the Truseda office. Uh, I, I've only been an intern for eight weeks. Yet I consider myself pretty close with a couple members of Truseda's core team. Um, I also really enjoyed, I guess this is kind of technical, but I really enjoyed the hackathon. Um, we, did a, we did a 24-hour hackathon right in the middle of our eight weeks. Yeah, there was, there was a lot to love about the internship. All right, now is our favorite part of Truseda Talks. We always end with what we lovingly call the one mic stand. I'd love to ask you to take a stand on if you had to convince someone to apply to the Truseda Global Summer Internship in three sentences or less, what would you say? Before the internship, I was worried, you know, what will I be able to do that other people can't? Am I hireable? Um, And through this internship, it has become so apparent to me that there is simply too much data and there are too many things that you can do with data. It was the bright minds and the incredibly bright software that I was uh, exposed to at Truseda that really revealed you know, what I've been colloquially referring to as like the new frontier of data. And I think that frontier is pretty endless and there's, there's a lot of cool stuff to be done. And I am so glad Truseda was uh, my first step. Thank you so much, Cole. That wraps it up for today. Um, thank you for joining us on Truseda Talks. We enjoyed having you. Yeah, thank you, Jaden. It was a pleasure to be here. We would like to make a correction to this episode. According to the U.S. Geological Survey Rare Earths Data Sheet, in 2020, China accounted for 58% of the world's total rare earths production. In 2019 and 2018, China accounted for 60% and 63% respectively. These figures only account for the official production quota. Undocumented production is not recorded, and it is widely known that a large portion of China's rare earth production is from illegal mining. If you want to know more about what ESG, Silk, and banks have in common, Give our episode, Digital Silk Roads, a listen. And if you're left wondering about anything else related to Traseda Talks, email us at curious at traseda.com. That's C-U-R-I-O-U-S at traseda.com. And give us a follow on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And feel free to subscribe anywhere you're listening to us. And... We'll talk data to you soon.